Creator, Episode 55, Interview with Television Reporter Dion Broxton. I'm your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. This podcast will inspire, motivate, and provide practical, simplistic information that you can begin implementing in your life today in order to help create your new mind. Subscribe to my podcast so that you can receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Thank you again for your continued support and monetary donations. Today, I will be interviewing Dion Broxton, a graduate of Tolson University, where he received his bachelor's degree in mass communication. He grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Dion is currently a television reporter, journalist in Bozeman, Montana for NBC Montana. He also has experience working in Baltimore for two years behind the scenes as an assignment editor and web producer. He is also a diehard Baltimore Ravens fan. Let us go into the interview. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Dion. Yes, Maurice, nice to meet you. A pleasure meeting you, and welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast. Um, my quote is, everybody knows something that you don't know, therefore being rich through your interaction with one another. Uh, I would like to jump right into the interview in order to expedite your time. Uh, could you start off by telling our listeners a little about your childhood? Um, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, you know, it was a pretty rough place. I grew up in the inner city. Um, my parents, uh, they weren't confident, I guess you could say, in the public school system. So they decided to put me in private school. And I think that was kind of my basis of how I found success so far in my career is my um, foundation. And uh, what else could I say? Um, I guess pretty much that's it. Um, yeah, I would say that led me to my success so far in my career. Um, you know, I played sports and things like that, but my calling always mm-hmm. seemed to be school, I guess I could say. Okay. So just that you were uh, – more more engaged academically at an early age, I would say? Definitely. Um, would always be on the honor roll. Teachers um, displayed confidence in me, you know, or they would encourage me. And I think that's where my confidence came from because my teachers believed in me and my family believed in me. And I think that's important at a young age is to have confidence because, you know, when you're in school, it's so many temptations to do the wrong thing. But when you have, you know, you, you, you please to seek your peers, but at the end of the day, you still please, you, you still want to please your parents and your mentors and people who try to encourage you. So I think for me, that was, I played a big part in my childhood to get to where I am at now. Good. Now as a child, did you notice anything different about yourself compared to your childhood friends? Oh, uh, definitely. Um, not to say it's a good thing or a bad thing, but if, um, you know, some, some people were motivated and driven for success, I guess I could say, and others weren't. Um, I was just, I don't know. I, I just call it, I'm a big fan of sports. So I'll just call it like the, Mamba mentality from Kobe Bryant. I was just always motivated to seek more. Um, you know, growing up in the urban community, my friends and I, you know, we didn't have that much access to things like kids who grew up grew up in a more affluent community. So I, you know, I've always wanted to seek better for myself because I know ultimately the the life that my family is living is not the life I want to live when I get older. And my friends recognize that but not all of them pursued it. So I would say I'm one of very few of my friends who pursued it. And, you know, some of us did did well academically in school, but, you know, doing well academically in school doesn't guarantee you're going to get out of the situation you're in. So, you know, 
you need ambition and grit and motivation, those type of characteristics to make it through. And I, I mean, I think of my friends um, probably near the top when it comes to those, those ambitious characteristics. Good. So did you, did uh, your friends, did any of them try to protect you? Because I know you said earlier that you were raised in a pretty rough uh, neighborhood. Um, I know the same with me. I know that some of my friends kind of shielded me from some things that could have taken me down the wrong path. I would definitely say so. Um, You know, it was easy to get at a young age, it was easy to get in trouble. But not only my friends, but adults recognize, um, I don't want to sound self-conceited or cocky but adults and friends saw the potential in me so they Mm -hmm. would constantly tell me like you know don't hang out with those boys don't hang out in this neighborhood um in particular there was a basketball there's a basketball court around the corner from my childhood home and you know the adults would tell me don't hang out there you know because you know they knew it was you know drug dealers and you know people i don't want to associate with would hang out there and they would always tell me don't hang out at that basketball court in middle school um you know my principal he grew up kind of you know he grew up just like us in a rough urban community and he would always tell my parents i was a good kid but i was hanging out with the wrong crowd and he was saying like it's a good kid he gets good grades but he just he likes hanging out with them knuckleheads and um that was something that always remained in the back of my mind because I constantly have people ask me, like, you know, you grew up in the inner city of Baltimore. How were you able to make it out? So I've told this story thousands of times, and it seems to this heart back to family and uh, uh, my teachers and principals and stuff like that because I would, you know, you know, we, we all had those class clowns in school growing up, and they wouldn't instill that same confidence in those class clown those class clowns so i recognized that they treated me differently and i assumed because they could see the potential and knew i was a pretty bright kid great so i know that uh you said that you enjoy sports and you played sports so i assume basketball was one of your favorites um well my even though i'm six three i wasn't that good at basketball <laughs> I, uh, I played football and I ran track and I, I was a decent athlete. I, I ran track in college. I wanted to play football in college, but I didn't get the chance to, but I was a um, pretty average athlete. So I quickly learned that sports wasn't going to be my thing, you know, and, and the African-American community, you know, athletes are praised at a high regard, but, and I think that was, I think that's part of the problem with the culture uh, is looked at as though we have to be at, now I don't want to say we have to be athletes, but we praise athletes so much. And I thought, I think that was wrong with my psyche growing up. I felt to be successful, I had to play sports, but then growing up, I realized sports wasn't going to be it for me. And I realized I could still make an impact for my community being a journalist. So, um, I kind of, I don't want to say I gave up, but I just, I guess I moved on to something else that I could, that I felt could be more beneficial to my community. So, um, but I, you know, I just like everybody else. I love sports, you know, I love competition. I love watching football and things like that. But part of my mission also, I wouldn't call it my mission, but part of my um, goal is to let other African-Americans see me as you don't have to play sports to be successful. We can all have our own contribution to this world. It doesn't have to be entertainment. Great. So is there, was there anything that you took from sports, uh, the team camaraderie and so on that you have implemented into your daily living? Oh, definitely. Um, I credit sports with a lot of my foundation of competitiveness. You know, um, I'm a TV journalist. So, of course, you know, I want to be buddy-buddy with you. But at the end of the day, I still have to be competitive and get this job over someone else, you know. 
So I do take those things I learned in sports and apply them to my life today. You know, you got to be competitive to get the job. But then once you get the job, you still have to be a great teammate. You have to be a great coworker and work well with others. So I still treat those basics and those life lessons I learned playing football and track and I apply them today. You know, it's just, I, I mean, I think it's great for every person to play sports because it, it shows you how to care about your teammates, care about your coworkers and how to work together as a group, you know? Um, I mean, this isn't fact, but does this seem easier to connect with people who've played sports before? Because I feel like you, you, you get more of that communication. You build those communication skills, you know, and, in sports, you know, it can be high intensity and you got to control your emotions at time and think on a fly and be able to adjust quickly. So I think those skills you learned in sports growing up really apply to life, especially with uh, um, broadcast TV. You know, breaking news can happen at any second and you got to be ready to go on air and be ready to just talk for minutes, you know. So I definitely think sports applies uh, a foundation in sports apply to adulthood. I agree. And did you know that you wanted to be a journalist when you were still a child? No, I had no idea. Um, I, like I said, I was just like everybody else. I wanted to be a football player, or basketball player. I didn't know I wanted to be a journalist until I, well, I learned in high school that, um, you know, I, I, sports actually led me to journalism. Um, I just, you know, I was, I loved everything about football. I could name crazy stats and things like that and my friends would always joke with me they would tell me like you're going to be on ESPN one day you know you should really do sports journalism so in high school I just figured that's what I'm going to do with my life I'm going to be a sports journalist and so I pursued journalism when I got to college but then I don't know the news the news bug got me I guess uh, you could say that's what my professor would tell me I Started. I mean, I've always grown up watching the news, but never had any desire to be a TV journalist. But the more and more I learned in uh, college, the more and more fascinated I became with TV journalism. And I guess you could say, like, maybe like halfway through my college career or to the latter end of my college career, I decided I wanted to be a news journalist because I love sports. Don't get me wrong, but news is real life and I feel like real life is more important I mean I don't want to say it's more important than sports because entertainment is important too because entertainment brings you happiness and it brings people together but I just feel like the news is a very important part of our world of our world and journalism in general is just a very important part of our world to educate the public and help people understand how our wor- world works and I just feel like I feel like I can give a bigger impact to the world being a, a news journalist versus a sports journalist. Great. Now, how did your how do you think your mentors have influenced your life? Um, it was easy for me for my mentors because a lot of my mentors are black. And in the African-American community, we can all pretty much relate. They grew up in the same background like me, you know, poor, didn't have much money, but had this desire to achieve a goal. And so it's been really easy for me to connect with mentors. You know, we have having similar backgrounds make it a lot easier to learn from someone. And knowing that they struggled the way I struggled, it, uh, and seeing them in the position they're in. Like I have a friend who's a reporter in Chicago. I have mentors, you know, uh, reporters and anchors in Baltimore. You know, I, I spoke to black guys from ESPN. I spoke to black guys on network news. Um, one guy in particular, Byron Pitts, grew up in the same East Baltimore neighborhood I grew up in. Went to the same high school, same middle school I went to. And now he was on 60 Minutes, and he's a correspondent for ABC News. And um, that was one of my motivations. Like, if this guy can do it, I have no excuse, you know. So um, 
having them in my corner really helped me to know that it's still possible. And it's still not easy. Don't get me wrong, but just, you know, having the blue, having the blueprint laid before me, knew it came before me makes it um, a lot easier and, and keeps reminding me that I can get through it because I'm in Montana right now. Uh, you know, there's no black people in Montana and that's part of the business. You start in a small market where there might not be a lot of you and um, it's tough, but I've been making it and I've constantly talked to them and get advice from them to remind me this is only temporary and uh, is a bigger goal in mind. You know, this is just part of the journey. Great. So how was that, um, that move for you uh, from being, in Baltimore and now Montana, those are two different places geographically, of course, but just uh, everything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was, a, um, I don't want to say, I mean, I, I know it's easy to say culture shock, culture shock, but it's definitely, of course, it's obviously it's different. But I guess you could say, well, I think I mentally prepared myself for this. I prepared to get stares from people. Um, I did my research, things like that. And I, it, it took me two years to become a TV journalist because I thought once I graduated from college, I thought I would just jump right into being a journalist. But um, I grew up in an urban community, so my grammar wasn't there. My um, speech wasn't there. And I would constantly apply to TV jobs and they would tell me, like, I like you, but you have to work on your accent. You know, I had, I had a city accent, a Baltimore accent. So I had to, I hired a speech pathologist, and it took me two years of working with my speech pathologist. Well, well I worked with a speech, a speech pathologist for four months. But, it, but, you know, in the meantime, I was still, like, working on my TV presence. I was writing stories. I was working behind the scenes at news stations. And finally, I hired a speech pathologist. And after working for a speech pathologist for four months, uh, I got, you know, contacted by several news stations. But during those two years, I was just preparing myself to be in a part of the world that I wasn't comfortable with. And I never thought I would be in Montana. But um, I, I could I could say I'm adjusting to it. I would I don't think I would ever be 100 percent comfortable, but. I think I'm as comfortable as I can get. It's, you know, it's all white people, culturally different, but I'm just learning to embrace the culture. I mean, I like the culture that much, but I've been learning to embrace it and, you know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. So there's no point in me in being upset and throwing a fit because this is going to be my home for like a year or two years or so. So I just have to have the best attitude towards it and honestly, it's good for my, my psyche because there's no point in being upset. It's like, I'm here, you know, I, 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 prefer, I prefer to be optimistic about it. So it's definitely a culture shock, but I think one that's much needed because that's part of the reason why I wanted to become a journalist is to understand different cultures ac across the U.S. And, you know, in the East Coast from Baltimore, it's fast, you know. We talk fast, we move fast, we drive fast, we do everything fast, we're abrasive, you know, versus over here, everything is so laid back. People take their time, they talk slow, they drive slow. It's not, it's not too many arguments in Montana, it's just <laughs> everyone, they got their space, they got their land, they're laid back, you know. It's not for me, because I grew, I, I grew up in a fast-paced environment, but... I appreciate it. You know, this is what they like. It may not be what I like, but I understand why they like it, you know? So um, it may not be that fun, but it's all a part of a learning lesson for me and that I can take with me for the rest of my life. Right. I remember when uh, out of high school, I went into the Navy. Mm -hmm. So I had been uh, just around a small area and I had a limited view of the world and when I went into the Navy I got exposed to so many different cultures and it was it was a um, life-changing and it was also enriching mm -hmm. enriching experience because 
I allowed myself to, as you were saying, you are embracing the culture that you're in right now. And it's just such more of a fulfillment and uh, enriching experience. So Mm -hmm. I agree. Okay, good. So what uh, made you choose the particular college that you chose? Well, this kind of hops back to me moving to Montana. My first two years of college, I went to York College of Pennsylvania and York, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 minutes north of Baltimore, about 45 minutes to an hour north of Baltimore. And to me, that was a big jump. You know, I've lived in Baltimore my entire life. So me going an hour up the road to a different state was a big move for me. You know, like I had freedom. I was away from my parents. And most people, well, I wouldn't say most people, but people who've gone off to college far away might laugh at me when I say like an hour move is a big move for me because, you know, in these urban communities, some of these people never leave the city their entire lives. They don't know what it's like to travel. So for me, like, I mean, I've I've been to like different parts of the East coast, but just to move away from home was so big for me. But um, the school I went to, it was like, it was a, a predominantly white school. I I don't want to compare it to Montana, but it was like its own little version of Montana. It was a quiet place, you know, not too much crime, uh, just very laid back, you know. But um, I went there to run track, and I hated it. I mean, I wouldn't say I hated it. It just wasn't for me. And I wanted to go back home because I, you know, I was more comfortable being being in Baltimore. So I, after two years, I transferred to Towson, which is in which is uh. It touches the Baltimore city line. It's just north of Baltimore. Uh, it's Baltimore City, then it's Towson. It's like the next city, the next city up. So I went there and I loved it. You know, I knew the culture. Obviously, it was like twenty five minutes from my house. I like I, I loved it. And but another reason I chose it though because Baltimore has a, the journalism in Baltimore is a lot bigger than the journalism in York, Pennsylvania. York, Pennsylvania is a smaller market than Baltimore. And I knew in Baltimore, I could make a lot more connections and, you know, work my way into the industry versus York. I just I just felt like it wasn't there. And sure enough, when I moved back to Baltimore, I started networking, making those connections, found myself an internship. I, I worked at two of the stations in Baltimore. It was just it was an easier way for me to get my start in journalism. So. Looking back on it, I had definitely made the right move. Great. So what motivates you to like to do what you're doing, to get up in the morning? What are some motivators? Um I would say family. Um well one one of one of them is family. Like uh mom grew up, you know, uh I'm sorry, food stamps, government assistance you know, paying bills late. And, but she still put my sister and I in private school. So she made a lot of sacrifices. So for me, um, part of it is I don't want my child to go through what I went through. And all, and also I want to be able to take care of my mom and family for taking care of me. You know, um, it's like how we see in the Asian culture they put all their money together to take care of their kids. And you see the same with the Middle Eastern culture. You know, um, I don't want to sound stereotypical, but, you know, you might see like a Middle Eastern dad and wife, you know, open up a 7-Eleven or, or a store or something like that. And all the money they make, they put towards their kids going to college and, their co- and then, you know, their kid become a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. So I just... I don't want to live the same life my family live, you know, it's just, it's much more to life than just East Baltimore and seeing people murdered and seeing people on drugs and stuff like that. And I mean, and I don't think I'm special when I say something like that because I have friends and I see people in Baltimore who think the same way, but just don't act on it. They just get comfortable with it. Like, 
I think the difference is I acted on it. I, I made the choice to not be in that environment anymore, you know. Um, another thing is, like, like I said, I went to private school. So you, so it was a given that I went to school with some pretty rich kids, you know. And I would see, you know, especially in high school, I'm 16, 17 years old. I'm catching the bus to school, and I see my friends driving cars. They're getting cars for their birthday. And it like it killed me inside, you know. It's just like, damn, I wish I could have that, you know. Is and then you know Christmas time come around, they get. I don't, I don't really like Christmas. I never really got that much, but Christmas time comes around and we all go back to school and everyone bringing their new iPhones and iPods and all this new stuff they got, and they say, Dion, what did you get for Christmas? Oh, oh I just got some clothes and money. You know, I'm burying my. Oh, I just got clothes and money. And it just motivates me, like, I don't want my child to go through that, you know. Uh, it's it's like, I mean, I know it's like, I guess you can call it the American dream, I guess you can say. It's just being a middle-class American is so much better than being poor. Uh, when I got my first uh, TV job, I literally, I literally went from being poor to being a middle-class American. I was able to buy a car. I was able to get credit cards. I had good credit. It, like my life literally changed. And I thought if if I can help more poor people become middle class Americans, that's a big goal, you know? Like it's, it's such a big difference. I never had a car, never had credit cards, never had money. I got my first job in TV and I had these things. I'm like, wow, these things make life a little bit easier. I'm not saying it brings happiness, but it makes life a little bit easier. And I thought to myself, like, I'm I'm never gonna be poor again. Like, this has changed my life. Like, like some people, you know, they might might have grown up with everything and might have cars and take them for granted. To me, like, to me, getting a car was bigger than graduating college. I've always I always knew I was gonna graduate college because I've always been good at school, so I just knew it was gonna happen. But like me getting in a car was something I couldn't envision. Like all I've known was, you know, getting rides from family members or catching the bus. So like the day I got a car was like one of the best days of my life because I know I put in the hard work. I built up my credit. I didn't need a co-signer. I put in the hard work to get it. And just those little small successes, it made me crave more of it, you know, Um, getting my first job, like being in front of the camera, being on TV, it was a good feeling because, I, like I said, it took me two years, but, you know, having that little taste of success was something I, I kept craving, you know, not to be, you know, not to be egotistical or anything like that, but it just feels good knowing that I say I'm going to do something and achieving those goals because in the black community, I, I don't want to keep saying like in the black community, but just from my experience, I've dealt with so many family members and people who say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I want to do this. I want, and they don't, and they don't do it. You know, they keep saying for years and years, I'm going to do this when they never do it. And with me, if I say I'm going to do something, I want to achieve it. And I, it brings pride to myself. I have a lot of pride and I, I, I hold my head high. I mean, I'm not saying I did it on my own because I had help from family members and other people, but it, at, still as an individual you have to be self-motivated and i was i i think myself you know because you know some days are hard you know um i don't want to talk your head off but my last semester of college i had two internships a part-time job and i was a full-time student and i'm not trying to like make anyone feel sorry for me I, it's just part of my story um I didn't get much sleep that my last semester of college. I was catching the bus everywhere. I was sleep deprived. And, but I was just motivated to make it because it's like, and that, that's one thing I talk to my friends about is like, what are you going to do? You're going to sit there and feel sorry for yourself? Or are you going to do something about it? And I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather die trying than not try at all. So, to me, being sleep deprived for four months straight was all worth it because it's either I go back to Baltimore, I work, uh, you know, I work at a job I don't like, 
and just get by I, I and just survive. You know, I don't want to survive. I want to thrive. And that was just my goal. Like, I have no choice but to thrive because no one's going to save me. My mother can't afford to take care of me. My grandmother can't take afford to take care of me. No one can afford to take care of me but myself. So from a very, you know, like I said, like maybe high school or college, I just became very independent. And, you know, I just wake up every day and say, I, I got something to prove. I don't want to prove anything to no one. I'm just trying to prove things to myself. Like, I know my mom's proud and my family's proud. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to make myself proud. I, I want to prove that I can be driven and, you know, and make it, you know. I'm sorry, I know that was a long answer. I apologize. <laughs> no, not at all. You don't need to apologize. And now a word from our sponsor. I really want you to be able to express yourself freely so mm-hmm. you're okay. Um, and also, from listening to you, I heard a theme of you being able to see a different picture uh, in your imagination apart from the physical picture that you were seeing every day when you talked about your neighborhood. It seemed that you got exposed to a different picture and you began to dream when you were uh, sent to a private school. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's um, that's one of the things. I'm not saying like public schools are bad at all, but I mean I think it's pretty much a consensus that a lot of public schools in Baltimore aren't getting the job done. And because because like I say, people always ask me how did you make it, and I think it was just my teachers, you know, putting that confidence in me and my family. Like I would always get good grades, so that kind of came with the the expectation. I think that's probably what it was, the expectation of me doing well. I think that's what it what it was. My teachers expected me to do well. My parents expected me to do well. Um, I have an older sister, and she she didn't do that well um, in school. She just, like, some days, like, sometimes she would make the honor roll. Sometimes she wouldn't. But I consistently made the honor roll, like, every single quarter, and... It set that expectation for my family. I remember my sister had graduated from high school and got a few awards. And my grandmother said, when Dion graduates, he's going to have a chest full of awards. And, you know, it kind of set that expectation. And, um, again, not to be self-serving, not to sound egotistical, but when I graduated from high school, I I got a bunch of awards. And... I think it's just the expectations that my um, family set and my teachers and peers set. Um, And I guess it it goes back to faith. You know, they always got to step out on nothing, have faith the size of a mustard seed. And I didn't know what a better life would look like. I just knew I was going to strive for it. And And I guess you can say, I did get a look at that because when I was in high school, like I said, I had friends who were rich. I mean, I, I mean, you know, when you poor, a middle-class American is rich to you. So I don't know if my friends were rich or not, but I had a lot of middle-class friends in high. I had black friends and I had white friends and a lot of my white friends had money and they would invite me over to their house. They would drive me to their houses. They had big houses. They had cars. I mean, I'm not saying like, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Uncle Phil type house, but just like middle class America. And I'm just like, middle class America looks a lot different from urban East Baltimore. And I would always tell myself, I want that. I want to have a family. I want to raise my kid in a neighborhood like this. And being exposed to that, I think, was also another good motivator, you know. And I think I harped some of that, too, Um, not just vision, but actually seeing it. And making me want to achieve it because, um, like I said, most of my African-American friends, we didn't have cars. We had to rely on rides and public transportation. One of my friends um, grew up in the same neighborhood as me. He got a car and it motivated me. And I, I was so proud of him and it motivated me. 
he got his car in 2015. I got my car in 2016. One of my friends told me, it was a trickle effect. One of my friends told me, like, seeing you get a car motivated me. In 2017, one of my friends got a car. It was just like, if you have these peers around you, if you have success around you, it rubs off on other people. And that's one thing I can say about my friends. Um, You know, we're all not at our final destination. We're all still trying to get to a certain point in life. But we're making small steps, you know, like getting jobs and getting cars and being middle class Americans. And it's just such, you know, a big motivator to have success around you. And that's that's the one thing um, I learned in Baltimore. There's so many. I mean, and and don't be wrong. I, I believe there's good in everyone. But there's a lot of people in Baltimore, well, in the urban community, not doing the right thing. So growing up, you got to figure out who are the ones doing the right thing, things, who are the ones you want to follow. And my and I, I credit this back to my family because my family, I mean, it's, it's not hard, but it's, it's easy to point out that people doing the wrong things. And if my family liked you, if, if my fi- family liked my friends, that means you were a person doing the right thing. Because I've had some friends who my family weren't fond of. And that kind of was like a signal to me, okay, this is probably not the best person for me to hang out with. But if my family show you love and stuff like that, I know you're a person my family approves of and you're someone I should hang out with. So I would tell you, like, when it comes to friends in East Baltimore, I probably got like four or five, six good friends in East Baltimore, you know, versus, I don't know, maybe an average person, you know, they got 30 friends in the neighborhood. Is this... You can't hang out with everyone because everyone isn't doing the right thing. And I guess I can credit that to my family. I just didn't want to disappoint them. But I I have people in my family who don't do the right things. I have people in my family who have disappointed other family members. And I think I don't want to get into it, but that was also a motivator for me. I don't want to be a person to bring to bring more stress to my family. And um. I know I keep saying this. I don't want to sound full of myself, but I think I've brought a lot of pride and recognition to my family with what I'm doing. Great. Now, the subconscious mind is influenced by what we see and the feeling associated with a desire that we want. So I, it, it just seems like there's always, when you talk about um, the poor areas of our country, it's usually a repetitive thing, a cycle that continues to go on and on because they are not necessarily exposed to a different picture, yes. to a different something that you can become. Because listening to you, you saw things that, uh, motivated you and you say I can become that I would like to be that and you married it with the feeling associated with it as well that caused you to uh, succeed and when others don't have that or they can't see anything other than that picture that they keep living into they never are able to necessarily escape that yes yeah. So um, that's great that um, you were exposed to something different. And you talked about how even a friend of yours was motivated by the picture they were seeing when they looked yeah. at you when you got a n- new car and began doing things. So yes. that's really great. Mm-hmm. I mean, to, like, to me, it's, it's cool for one person to have success, but you know the problems that exist in the African, the urban African-American community. And it's not fun being the only successful person. The more success that's around you, the better it is. You know, like I don't, I can't, I mean, I'm happy for myself, but I also enjoy seeing others success. You know, I like feeding off of other success and to see other people grow up in the same uh, environment I did achieve success is a good feeling and 
I'm not saying I'm the person to go to for motivation, but if if something small that I'm doing motivates someone else, that makes me happy because as a community, I mean, I you probably hear this all the time, you know, we got to do better, you know? So I just think, I hope my little small contribution to the race helps, helps, you know, I'm, I want to be a part of the change for the race and the cultural problems, problems that exist within the African-American community. Great. So in our lifetime, it's not, our lives are usually not linear. So there are peaks and valleys. Now, how did you handle failure or how, how have you handled failure during your lifetime? That's a good question. I mean, that's a, that's a very good question. Um, the first thing that popped in my mind when you said that um, is Michael Jordan. He got cut from his, I don't know if his varsity or JV basketball team. He got cut from it. But um, that's one thing I try to monitor. I, I enjoy reading. So I like reading other people's uh, biographies and, you know, how they face adversity and things like that. And I know with Michael Jordan, he said he is who he is because of failure. If he didn't fail, he wouldn't be in a position he is now. And same thing with uh, J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter series. She got rejected a bunch of times. And I just learned, you know, just from reading biographies, failure is a part of the process. It doesn't mean um, it's the end all be all. It means you're trying, you know. So I failed plenty of times. You know, I'm still failing today. But I just learned failure is a part of the process. And I, and I don't want to call it failure. You either win or you learn. So if I do fail, I'm just learning not to make those same mistakes again. It's like um, Albert Einstein or Thomas Edison, I believe, who invented the light bulb. He had thousands of thousands of chances where he couldn't get it to work, but he got the one to work. And failing, from what, the way I perceive failing is, is just showing you one more way not to do it. There might be a thousand ways to do it wrong and one way to do it right. And if you if you fail a thousand times, you're eventually going to get to that one way of doing it right. So I just look at it as a learning opportunity, not something to hang my head on. Don't get me wrong. Like, I still get upset when I mess up. And, uh, you know, I, I go live on TV pretty much every day. You know, I might stumble and stutter a couple of times. I get frustrated with myself. But it's, it's just all a part of the learning process, and you got to fail to get better. Um, no one, we, we're all beginners at some point. No one's just starts off having success. It's it's just part of the process, and also like for me, like when I mess up on TV, it makes me more comfortable knowing, okay, I messed up. It's that's not the end of the world, you know. So I'm not afraid the next time I go to you know go live on TV. You know, it's just. It's all a part of the process. And I just look at it as just part of the journey. So your mishaps in life is all how you view it. You can yes. view it. Yes. And some people like yourself, you see it as a stepping stone. You, you don't see it as an end. Mm-hmm. So you continue to move on. But mm-hmm. there are some people who get stuck and yes. because they fail, they stop in that mm-hmm. situation. What would you say to someone who will be listening right now, who believes they are a failure because they are not where they desire to ultimately be right now in this present moment? I would say just don't give into those thoughts. Um, I think that's one problem we fall into in our society. There's always a timetable, you know, I need, I mean, I, I, I'm guilty of this sometimes. I wanted to be a TV reporter at 22 years old and I want, and I didn't become a TV reporter until 25. It's not what I wanted, but I got there, you know, and I think people fall into this timetable problem where, you know, I need to be married by 30. I need to have kids by this age. I need to do this by that. And um, I'm not saying that's the case for everything, but that's for for me personally, that was some of the um, 
failures I encountered. I remember telling people, I, I want to be a reporter before I turn 23 and 24. And I didn't make that mark. And I got kind of down on myself and I kind of lost hope. But um, what's the saying? Better late than never, right? Um, I would say just don't give up on yourself. Uh, like I say, I like to read about and learn about other people's success. Uh, Sam Walton, the owner or the creator of Walmart. I think he didn't create Walmart until he was like in his 50s or 60s. Walt Disney was in his 50s or 60s. Uh, I've just seen countless of examples of people who achieve success at a, a, I mean, it doesn't matter what age you achieve success, but it's just, it's just the age spectrum is all over the place. You know, um, Kevin Hart, for example, he, he made Soul Plane. That movie was horrible, but he kept at it and 10 years later, look at him now. He's like a, he's a superstar, you know? So um, just don't let that setback stop you. And that's, I mean, I know, you know, you, you, we all have our own race to run, but I still enjoy looking at other people's success and failures to learn from them. Uh, I think it's somewhere in the Bible. Don't quote me on this. It says, uh, you, you're supposed to look to other people to learn from their mistakes, you know? And I even, yeah, to learn from their mistakes and to learn from their successes, you know? And, and that's a hard question. I don't, because some people just, that's a really hard question. Some people just aren't mentally programmed to rebound from failure, you know? And I think a good way to rebound from failure is to have success. But those lows makes the high that much better. But if you're one who never achieved a high before in life, that's that's hard to stay motivated, you know? So I just hope people can think of that high. You know, like me, like I did I got rejected from a few T V job offers and I finally got that one. It made the high that much better. So I would say I guess that's my, that would be my advice. Um Think think of that low and imagine how good the high will feel when you get there. I guess that that's my answer. Imagine, take that feeling of being low and imagine it's like a roller coaster. You're really high, you're scared, then you you get on it and you're happy, you're happy it's over, you know? So something like that. Just imagine if the bad can hurt that bad, imagine how good the good can feel. So so you are saying that you have to reach for something higher than what you presently uh, yes. are experiencing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, what is the main theme that you would leave our listeners with? Um, there's a book. I still haven't read it yet, but there's a book I want to read. It's called Grit, and it's about how the smartest people aren't the ones who are always successful. It's the ones who don't give up. And I know I know it sounds corny. I know it sounds cliche, but um, don't give up. I wish I could. I, I'm going to try my best to dive more into that. But just keep trying. Uh, like me, like I said, I grew up poor. It's like For me, it was simple. I don't want to be poor anymore, but, you know, you, you want to get paid. We all want to make money. Don't get me wrong. Well, we all need to make money. So find find what it is in life you want to do and don't give up on it. And maybe some people have found that and it's not what they want. Then keep looking, you know. But I think the central theme is grit. Just don't give up, but keep achieving it because you don't know what's on the other side of the door if you don't walk through it or attempt to walk through it, you know. So just don't give up because if you know we all know how what pain feels like. Just imagine what joy can feel like. And from personally, for someone who experienced a lot of pain, the joy is very satisfying. You know, um, I know if you're in a hole or you're somewhere you don't want to be right now. I was there. Um, I was there for what the first twenty three, twenty four years of my life. You know, finally got a good job, making good money, got a car, got more basic necessities, you know. And I'm not as mad now at 25 years old. If I didn't have any of that, I would probably still be an angry individual. So I would say do a favor to yourself 
make yourself happy by achieving your dreams and achieving your goals. And um, and what's the worst that can happen? Like, people might say, "Why do this? Why do that? Why do this? Why do that?" I say, "Why not?" You know, um, I know this is like a this is a funny little story, but um, in high school, two of my uh, teammates in um, on a track team, they one said one was better than the other, so we put together this big elaborate race. I mean, I made it a Facebook event. The whole school, the whole school knew about it. So to settle it, these two kids raced, and we just made this big. We did like little fake ESPN shows and things like that. And one one of my friends came up to us and said, "Why are you guys doing this?" And my friend said, "Why not?" And that was the perfect response. Like, why not? We just took we just took it to a whole nother level, and we probably got like two hundred people to come to the track to watch two of my track buddies race. And I think about things like that. And I, <laughs> it was kind of like the unofficial start to my TV career. I'll go back and look at this. I was really bad, but I was thinking, you know, us just putting all of this effort into this thing that would never get attention or would never, you know, we did it just because it made us happy. I just think that's something I kept with me in my life. Like I could have thought, Dion, why you keep putting money and effort and trying to become a reporter? But my goal is why not? Why not keep doing it? You know, and the the hard part, like they say, like I'm not trying to say I'm at the top or nothing like that. But you know, they say when you get to the top, it's not hard to get into the top. It's hard staying there. So now I'm at a point in my life where I'm I'm thinking of the next adventure, you know, or my next goal to stay motivated because that's the one thing I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of losing my motivation. So I'm just trying to find little ways to keep myself motivated. Okay, uh, let's not mess up. I'm going live today on TV. Let's not mess up. Let's see if I can not mess up for 10 10 days in a row. You know, I set little goals for myself to keep me motivated. You know, is this, that's the hard part of staying motivated. So I just tell people, don't give up and just find something that can keep you motivated. And it was always a dream of mine to be a TV reporter. And and those two years when I wasn't a TV reporter, it I thought about it every single day of my like every single day I would think about it. And they say if you can't stop thinking about something, that's probably your calling in life. Or, you know, I mean as long as it's legal. <laughs> as long as it's legal, but like it's something you're really passionate about and you think about it every single I would think about it every single day and I knew it's what, it's what I wanted to do with the, with my life great so you um I know one of the many things good things about yourself from listening to you is that you don't try to compete against others but you challenge yourself yes to be the vet, best version of yourself yes which is yeah so that's a go ahead. I don't know if you watched the um Olympics. It was a 2016 Olympics, I think, with Michael Phelps. And one of the great pitchers from that Olympics, one of the uh, Michael Phelps races, he was coming down to the finish line and the guy was right next to him. And the guy was like watching. He The guy came in second. Michael Phelps came in first. And the guy literally was watching Michael Phelps the entire way to the finish line. And that pitcher became like a good, uh, a good pitcher for life. Don't compare yourself to others. Don't you know? It's the same. Stay in your lane. He was watching what Michael Phelps was doing in his lane instead of focusing on his lane. So that's one of the um, pitches I always think about. Don't compare yourself to others, because if I compare myself to Jay Z, I might be kind of sad right now. But I don't compare myself to Jay Z. I compare myself to Dion because I have my own story to tell. I have my my own race to run, you know, and we all have that. And that's I guess that's one of the problems with social media. I mean, I'm not trying to like go into the weeds and go into the wrong direction, but I think social media is one of the big problems where we compare our lives to others and get down on. I don't do that because you never know what people are going behind the scenes because we all post the good things on social media, but we all have our own demons and our own races to run. Right. I understand. Yes. So um, do, are you 
currently working on anything that you would like to let our listeners know about? Um, no, no, I'm just taking it day by day, trying to enjoy my time here in Montana, make it through this winter. Um, on, n- n- there are other things I would like to do. Don't get me wrong, but um, right now I'm just trying to focus on being a good journalist. Um, I'm just trying to get better every day, and um, that's all really. I mean, you know, I try to be the best version of myself. And of course, there were there were other other endeavors I would love to seek in the future. But um, I'm the type of person where I want to get good at something first, at one thing first, because. I don't. I don't. I don't. Man, I mean, I don't think there's nothing wrong with trying to do other endeavors, but th- right here, this is my main focus right now. I want to be a good journalist. And that's what I want to keep working on right now. Great. So I know um, as you continue to soak up the goodness of Montana during your time there, uh, know you're going to find out that we're more alike than different. Mm-hmm. You know, even though we come in, you know, we are exposed to different environments coming up. Yes. We all basically want the same things. Yes. So, great. great. So uh, would you like to um, uh, give any uh, of your social media contacts or? Um, on Facebook, my uh, work page is Dion Broxton dash NBC Montana. On Twitter, I'm Dion MBCMT. And on Instagram, I think I'm just, it's either Dion Broxton or Dion J. Broxton. I can't remember, but I'm the only Dion Broxton, so I'm pretty easy to find on social media. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, this has been a fabulous interview, and I know it's going to help motivate others. Just as you said um, during the interview that you enjoy reading biographies, learning about other people so you could um, help yourself. Mm-hmm. So uh, from your hearing your stories, I know some of our listeners will be helped and encouraged and motivated. Um, it was great uh, talking to you. And I really thank you for doing this interview and inspiring others during the process. I thank you for um, reaching out to me. You know, um, I'm. I think that's kind of how I became. Such, I, I I like to call myself an optimistic person, but I know how hard it is to be optimistic. But I'm constantly, like like your podcast, for example, I'm constantly seeking motivational material to keep me motivated. Um, I'm sure you know E.T. the hip-hop preacher. He's someone I follow on social media. You know, I follow, like, uh, so many accounts on social media. I watch YouTube videos. I listen to podcasts like yours to keep me motivated, you know, because we all have bad days. And when I have a bad day, I like to go and listen to, like, a podcast like yours to to reinvigorate. I can't even say that. I can never say that word. Reinvigorate me to stay motivated and be high off of life and stay happy, you know, uh, because at the end of the day, we all want to be happy. It's like what John Lennon said, I believe. Um, his teacher asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, happy. And his teacher told him, I think you, you I think you're not getting a lesson. And he said, no, I think you don't understand life. At the end of the day, we all want to be happy. So, you know, for me, being motivated and achieving goals, which I think is for most people will lead us to happiness. You know, that's just the basic concept of life. We need to eat. We need to eat, survive, pay taxes and be happy. <laughs> great. Great. Some of it. Great summarizing. Yes. Okay. And I thank you again and may your success be multiplied continually as you go on during your journey. Thank you. And um, if you ever want to reach out to me again, feel free to. And if, if I want to reach out to you, I'll be sure to. OK. Yes, certainly. All right. Thank you again. Thank you. You have a nice day. All right. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and Truth Serum. Head over to www.maurice.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.